Today I spoke with Kate Moynihan, the executive director of SAVA, one of the leading international charities fighting blindness and visual impairment around the world. During the podcast, Kate discusses how visual impairment affects millions of people, particularly in underdeveloped countries, and how SAVA, through simple surgeries, community service, and its own research, brings about life-changing experiences to millions of people. I think you'll enjoy hearing Kate's stories about the people SAVA has helped and how you can be part of the good that it does. Today I'm speaking with the executive director of SAVA, Kate Moynihan. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Kate. Uh, thank you for inviting me, Brooke. So I know that SAVA is one of the first charities that I've talked with that has an international focus. And I know you have a similar international background with humanitarian causes. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you became involved with SAVA? Oh, sure. I started working with International Relief and Development probably before you were born, uh, back in the early 1990s with the fall of Albania and the death of Enverhoja. And I, I was sent out as part of a team. And then I would spend about the next 25 years of my life going from assignment to assignment because what happened is I just sort of organically developed an expertise in what I call post-complex man-made disasters. Um, and then I ended up just transitioning uh, when I had I gave birth to my daughter in Cairo. And then um, after that, I, I had a reason to come back to the U.S. and landed a position with Goodwill Industries here in San Francisco and then segued into a really cool job with Samosource, which is an innovation organization. And then um, the opportunity at SAVA presented itself. And in many ways, it was a it was like this perfect dream job opportunity where my worldwide experience was being uh, a chance to be part of this incredible legacy organization and do it based in the States, but then bring my world experiences to the work of SEVA. Yeah, I think that it's really amazing how far-reaching all the work is, so I think that's very cool. And could you discuss a little bit about SEVA's mission? Seva is, the, the Sanskrit word means selfless service. And in many ways, Seva and my own personal, uh, you know, my personal commitment to development and international relief and development are similar, that we're a catalyst for institutional and systems change. And we partner with um, a diverse group of international organizations, and we deliver this world-class social justice kind of work that makes eye care available to people who otherwise wouldn't get it. I don't. I, I don't want to keep chatting over you because I'm sure you've done so much research on us. No, I'm no, I want to hear from you. Sounds good. You go. <laughs> well, one piece that I find really interesting is you know, Seva in many ways. Well, Seva is an original startup before I think the United States was calling them startups. And if you go to like a Harvard Business Review article, you'll notice like they say they have all these kind of lessons learned. Well, you should have a diverse group of people. Save had that in their founders. You should have men and women. Well, Save had that as well. We affectionately call them the originals. And they were really a, 
uh, not only were they a diverse group of individual people, but they were an extraordinarily talented and committed and, and, and really rooted in a lot of the belief around justice and equity. And, um, uh, Dr. Larry Brilliant, who had been on the WHO smallpox eradication team, he's one of the founders of SEVA. He and his wife, Dr. Gerdra Brilliant, and they're the ones who actually gave us our start uh, to do a lot of our work rooted in really good science. So not only do we have the social justice edge, but we're rooted in really good science. There's also Wavy Gravy, who, um, if you ever see films from Woodstock, he's he catapulted to fame during that as the announcer, and, and uh, he uh, he's an activist in his own right. And his wife Johanna Romney, she too was one of the originals. And so we have an activist clown as a founder, and then Ram Das, who's a spiritual uh, leader here in the United States um, and very well known for his work. He was one of our founders. So we have the science, we have the clown. <laughs> religious or not religious excuse me spiritual uh spiritual roots to the work it's definitely interesting to hear about how there's diversity from within too yeah that's a really great way to put it i still see that today that's one of the through lines because um seva also another piece of seva's work that was very attractive for me i had i had a i have a background in sort of more mainstream relief and development work working for the united nations and local large bilateral multilateral international relief organizations but seva's approach was really most uh, like a non-colonial non-paternalistic approach to development work where there was a real listening to local talent and to fostering and um supporting local solutions and that's really what i think kind of sets us apart from um, you know a lot of the organizations out there building on that sustainability is such a focus of save and i think that it's really important how you're promoting these long-term sustainable solutions. While there is immediate solutions, there's also solutions for the communities within themselves. Could you talk a little bit about how you do this and how SEVA does this? Sure. I mean, we've been working to transform lives uh, by restoring sight in communities with little to no access. And what we've done is evolved into this highly effective organization. We work with partners in over 20 countries to increase capacity of local hospitals or develop sustainable eye care programs. So we're lucky that we have independent support from a lot of individuals and family foundations across the United States, and we're able to provide this care. And so if you think of um, the hub and the spoke, right, does that make sense to you where like you have a wheel in the center is a hospital, right? And our work there might be to find a couple of doctors or work with the administration so that the data we're collecting and the way that they're, they're, they're documenting their, their clients or their patients is giving us really good data and good information so that we can later down the line make good decisions. But then let's also imagine that that hospital is actually kind of hard to reach. And so we then develop things called these vision centers or primary eye care centers. And they might be uh, an old library that gets repurposed, or it could be just a building in the community. And it's closer to where mostly women are able to get to. So when you're thinking about some of these communities and some of these families where they may only be able to have one person get medical care, uh, the person they send is oftentimes not the mom, it's not the daughter. 
And so uh, by setting up these vision centers, we're able to actually reach hundreds and thousands of more people. And what we do is we provide either eyeglasses, let's say you just can't read the blackboard or you need some eye drops or you have other things that are preventing you from fully participating in society. We actually are able to administer those services in those vision centers. And then the few times when we can't, we then have a program to get you in so that you can have your cataract removed or the surgery that you need. Yeah. So what we do is we we're kind of we're involved in uh, in every stage of that. We're working alongside of the community members to sort of talk about what we do. We're training up what we call these mid-level ophthalmologists. So it's a whole new industry of people that get livable wages or at least supplemental wages. And then we work with schools for school screening and we work with um you know, hospital administrators so that we're collecting data so that we can analyze how well we're doing what we do. So we we research ourselves to make sure that when we say we're doing good work, we actually uh, kind of prove it. I've heard that <laughs> 80% of all vision impairment can be prevented or cured and that a lot of these vision impairment sur- related surgeries to fix vision impairment can take as little as 15 minutes. I just think that it's so insane how much of an effect something so simple can have. Can you talk about how big of an effect something so simple to us can have? Sure. Well, you know, it's you and I have, that's exactly what caught me too. I thought, you know, for all my years doing social justice work, a lot of the work I did, you know, you had to pass a law or change, you know, community behaviors before you'd see the change that you were hoping to see. And in this line of work, it's, it's remarkable. In 15 minutes, these surgeries have gotten to the point, and this is an industry-wide achievement. SAVE has been a part of it, but we're certainly not the only ones. But because the technology, the this interocular lens, this little piece of plastic or glass that goes in the eye after the surgery, the price for that, SAVE was part of a network of folks that helped bring that price down from hundreds of dollars to just a few dollars. And that made it affordable. So, um, and then we have doctors that are are trained across the world and then come back into their own communities to kind of continue with the service. But what we notice is that, you know, uh, it's not only does it transform the life of that person, because in 15 minutes they go from not being able to cook for themselves or go to the market or see the blackboard to fully being able to, to kind of operate on their own. What we don't always get to talk about is there's someone else in that family who hasn't been living their full life. There's somebody who isn't going to school because the grandmother needs support or a son that isn't taking a job because his, you know, mother or, you know, grandfather uh, needs help around the house. And so when we do this, we often think to ourselves, we've just liberated two people to having, uh, you know, the dignified life that they deserve. As I was saying, it's just so crazy how something so simple has such a big co- like such a big result and how something so cost effective can really just make such a big difference. I just going to only add that, you know, this is the reason why that a lot of uh, we have um, a bunch of artists, really renowned artists like Bonnie Raitt, the Grateful Dead. These are groups that you may or may not be familiar with, but older people in your life will know what these guys are. And they've been connected to SEVA for 40 years, precisely because there's something so profound and so simple and yet so good, uh, you know, about 
the the work that gets done and we we all feel really privileged that this is an extra, I love the team that I get a chance to work with and I really uh, learn and enjoy and I'm stronger by this incredible board of directors that we have and the thing that keeps us all grounded is is what you're talking about is being just amazed that this really happens when you know if we ever get to travel again in the near future um it would be great to have a youth delegation come over uh and and actually be there on the day when people are having their bandages removed and a picture i have in my office is a picture of these this woman's hands and the reason why i have it is because almost universally guatemala to nepal one of the first things people will do is they look down at their hands because they just can't believe that it's back. It's really just, yeah, as you were saying, it's just such a hard to grasp concept. And I think that's really amazing. And I'm sure you have tons of examples of seeing firsthand the experiences and seeing firsthand the effects of Save's work. And you kind of mentioned some, but are there any other that you think would be really important to share? Yeah, there are. This is where you, you might feel free to cut me off because these are the kinds of things that I could go on and, oh, on, and yeah. on. There's so many stories. There's there's one story that comes to mind about a technician who's now financially independent because of these vision centers that I talked about a few minutes ago. Because a few years ago, she was an orphan living in India, and she wanted to pursue a higher education, but she had no one to really help her pay for it. So one day she went to one of our partners, LV Prasad Eye Institute, and she went to get her eyes checked. But when she was there, she asked for a job. And the staffer who examined her told her about this uh, free technician course. So she took the entrance exam and she passed. And she completed this one-year course and she had a stable, well-paying job at our vision center. And that job helped her improve the lives of not only herself, but like her family. And every, when I hear stories like that, I think I can't help but think about, well, what if that was me? Or I have a daughter actually your age. And I think, golly, that would be life-changing for us if, if something like that could come around for us. Um, and then there's this other uh, gentleman from Guatemala who uh, was, a he is a beautiful uh, husband, father. He worked as a firefighter in Guatemala for more than 16 years. And then a few years ago, he noticed his vision starting to fade and he had cataracts in each eye. And it's pretty, as you can imagine, it's a devastating problem for um, a firefighter. So he didn't have access to proper vision care and he couldn't find treatment, but his supervisors ended up demoting him to lower and lower positions because he just wasn't reliable and, and he was a risk to himself and the fellow firefighters. So he got transferred to this desk job. He was fielding these phone calls and his eyesight became too impaired for even this and they made him a janitor. But when this condition affected his life, um, he was uh, he, he accidentally burned his fingertips on a stove and while trying to make food. And I think the quote he said was, I was using I was used to counting on my good health. And he remembers now I feel completely defeated. And when he run and when he could like run into his friends, they had to tell him where they were so that he could kind of look at them. So the bottom line is, as you might imagine, he were he heard of one of our partners um, and he ended up going there. And in part due to the generosity of folks that contribute to SAVA, he received surgeries on both eyes. And after this quick and safe and expensive procedure you and I have talked about, he was he his own quote was he was as good as new again. And now he's an active member of his um, community and he's back to fighting fires. Yeah, I think that it's so important to 
hear these stories really because usually in places like the U.S. there's such a Eurocentric view of the world. So by hearing about actual individuals and other other countries who are helped, I think that it makes it a lot easier to see like the humanity behind the statistics about how widespread these issues are. Um, I just want to know what are some of the ways that other people can get involved and help out. Yeah, there are plenty. Um, first is there's we have a. Um, an initiative, it's sort of like a fair, our version of fair trade, it's the gifts of sight program. And you can actually gift uh, uh, someone in your life on their behalf, um, someone's sight back, and you can restore someone's sight and transform their life in honor of someone that you love or you care about. So if you go to our website, is it okay to shamelessly? No, (laughs) no, I won't. Yeah, that's the whole point of this to hear about how people can help so yes please share if they go to our website saveit.org they can find gifts of uh, site programs so that's one way to support it that's very literal you know and i think this year as people might be looking to express themselves in non-material ways that that could be something that people might want to check out uh also sharing it you know social media we would love it if you checked us out if you liked the messages that we're sending if you know, if, if they were inspiring and interesting, check us out, share with your friends. So the social media, our Instagram, Facebook accounts, Twitter. And then um, there's also a circle of sharing where people can make um, contributions every month, kind of like what you might see with your local, uh, you know, NPR radio station or something really similar. There's also an emerging um, youth ambassadors program that's in very, very early stages. And I think if folks are interested in that, um, they could probably just write me directly at my Moynihan at Saba.org account, and I'd be happy to start a dialogue. Great. And what's one thing that you'd like to leave everyone with about Saba or just get across about the organization before we go? I think the fact that it's possible to have work in the world that believes in human dignity, is joyful, is kind, and is rooted in really great science. I completely agree. And as I was saying a little before, I don't think people always realize how widespread of an issue this is. So I think it's great how you bring attention to it on a global scale. Well, you're a remarkable person. And thanks for you know understanding that because I think you cited some statistics early on, but you know, one, one billion people in the world have a, some type of a vision impairment that can be treated. And I feel like that is stunning. And that that really gets us up in the morning as a staff uh, because the idea that this is something that can, that can be treated because we have the technology, we have the science, and it's really just a matter of being able to financially help people get what they need. Well, thank you so much. I think that hearing this will help a lot of people and help a lot of people know how to get involved too. So thank you. Oh, and thank you, Brooke. You're doing some great work in this world. It was a real, it's really, it was a pleasure. And thank you for inviting me.